0: We're welcoming Hayden Dunnell into the studio for what we're calling, or what he's calling, Midweek Drongo Watch. Kia ora, Hayden. Kia ora, Karen. Why the rebrand? Great to be
1: here for the first inaugural Drongo Watch. I mean, it's a name inspired by the man of the moment, Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown. It's from a leaked text to one of his group chats where he complained that he wouldn't be able to play a tennis game because he had to deal with what he called... The media drongos about Auckland's then forecast flooding, but um, more on that later. We're gonna we're gonna get to Wayne Brown first of all, though. First show of the year for me. I'd like to do some gloating.
0: Would you now? About what?
1: Uh, when we had a final show last year, you might remember this is a long time ago, but we. We tried to construct a kind of media bingo consisting of the twenty or thirty stories we always see over the summer holidays. I the, it. The, you know, the media trots out the same stories, and every year without fail. Uh, you know. Sadly, it was a bit of an up-and-down one. I didn't have the resignation of the Prime Minister on the list, but otherwise we did pretty well. I mentioned EFTPOS spending in the lead-up to Christmas, shark sightings, daily updates on the road toll, a few other things, but I'd really like to highlight one prediction in particular that came true.
0: Okay, that you made. So what's that one? So can we play the tape? But there's only... two. Washed away in flooding if there's actual bad weather. There's always bad weather. <laughs> right. There's always a tent being washed away somewhere. <laughs> right. There's only tents being washed away. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. There's always. No.
1: I said you. You doubted me. What I was saying is there's going to be tents washed away in bad weather. You said are there? Are you sure there's going to be tents washed away? And you know you doubted me that there was going that it was going to happen. But I was resolute and my prediction came through. I feel like I was maybe a little bit too right. So not only we had campgrounds washed out, whole cities have now been flooded, the rains actually reached biblical proportions Uh, in the North Island. It might be the worst summer ever. Uh, I wish in many respects that I was less right and there was slightly less water and we weren't sort of looking at building arcs in Auckland right now. But uh, nevertheless, being correct is my cross to bear, and I would at this point like to formally reprimand you for... Ever doubting me.
0: (laughs) Well, as you say, we could have done with a whole lot less rain. And and in the media's eyes, we could also have done with a a lot more leadership when those rains arrived.
1: Yeah, the torrential rains have also brought a deluge of bad headlines and negative press for the aforementioned Wayne Brown, Auckland Mayor, who's been accused of essentially being derelict in his duties as much of Auckland went underwater on Friday. And it's been a relatively relentless flood of criticism for Brown, excuse the pun. In the Herald, Simon Wilson wrote a piece headlined When Auckland Needed Him Most, Where Was Wayne?, And stuff. Todd Nile wrote that Wayne Brown appears to have missed what Amir's job is in a crisis, which sounds quite reserved and restrained. But when you actually adjust the dial for Todd Nile, uh, and his usual uh, restraint and uh, measured tone is actually quite a devastating put down. Uh, Today FM, though, that's really been probably the most merciless of the outlets, the new talk station from MediaWorks, and several of its hosts have served up stinging rebukes for Brown. Uh, so this is Duncan Garner calling for the mayor's head. He is the result of a protest vote. And I think he's a part time mayor who should resign. It's a part-time mayor who should resign. He has no mandate, and he showed himself
0: to be missing in action at a time when he was needed most.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's just Duncan Garner. You, it kind of went on. You, I mean, you had actually Today FM hosts interviewing other Today FM hosts about Wayne Brown's failing. So this is Lloyd Burr, the afternoon's host, talking to Rachel Smalley, uh, who's the early morning host.
0: Rachel, I'll come to to you now. Can he recover from this, do you think? Yeah, I think he can. Look, on the weekend, I was yelling at the telly. I was yelling at the radio. I was throwing things around. I was like, this is madness. He was coming across as someone who couldn't communicate as opposed to wouldn't. Um, But clearly, he's not a brilliant communicator by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, so that was Rachel Smalley commenting to Lloyd Burr. I mean, even Brown's close political allies have started adding to the chorus of criticism, uh, albeit perhaps a bit accidentally. So this is Deputy Mayor of Auckland, Desley Simpson, making quite the Freudian slip on TVNZ's Breakfast this morning.
0: He was on the ground uh, looking at the community impacts across the region. Um, so yeah, he he is he's part of the problem and the solution. <laughs> uh, he's with the, he's uh, he's aware of the problem most most definitely.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's Desley Simpson saying that the mayor is part of the problem before trying to correct herself a little bit. i I'd, I'd recommend looking up that clip. Online, it's worth it to see uh, breakfast host Anna Burns Francis's reaction as Desley Simpson makes that slip up. It's kind of, uh, yeah, barely restra- restrained kind of shock and and gl- I don't know, I don't know how to describe the expression. It must be seen to be believed. I mean. Yeah, as a side note, the Mayor's official Twitter account actually tweeted for the first time in fourteen hours this afternoon in response to that slip up saying Simpson is devastated by it and felt it was malicious reporting. Unsure who was doing the malicious reporting, it was just actually broadcasting what her words were on the air. Um, a tweet from the Mayor's drongos account.
0: were doing the malicious Yeah, tweeting. it was obvious it
1: would have been a drongo reporting. somewhere that was doing the malicious reporting for <laughs> sure but i'm not sure which jongo it was i mean i mean the, the the tweet was signed ds indicating it was from Simpson herself not sure whether that was the case at the time of writing though the mayor's Twitter account hadn't tweeted about the most recent flooding and slips from this morning.
0: Well, it's worth noting, Hayden, that uh, few of our public agencies actually covered themselves in glory with their own flood updates, though, did they?
1: Yeah, exactly. We're talking a lot about Wayne Brown, and we're still talking about Wayne Brown, but a- Auckland civil defence, they were similarly silent on Friday night as the floodwaters rose. Waka Kotahi's social media team famously logged off for the night in Auckland around 7.30pm on Friday as the disaster unfolded. I think they said sort of something like motorways flooded and see you later. Uh, then they were ordered back to their desks by Transport Minister Michael Wood. Auckland Transport, they didn't post for three hours between something like 7 and 10pm. And this hasn't gone unnoticed by the media. I mean, there has been a bit of criticism levelled. So as an example, here's Kim Hill talking to Auckland Transport spokesman Andrew Allen on Tuesday. First of all, I'd just like to say that our thoughts continue to go out to Auckland, especially those hardest hit by the flood damage. Um we're working 24-7 around the clock to try and restore roads uh, and public transport services. It's back good to, to hear 24-7,
0: because, yeah.
1: you know, clocking off at 7.30 on the Friday, we'll never forget that, will we? We definitely won't forget that. Yes, I'm a Cervic commentary there for sure from Kim. But uh, the criticism directed at Brown, I think, is an order of magnitude more, right? It, 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 more than anything, suffered by these public agencies even though they're probably more directly responsible for the storm response than the mayor
0: well the mayor hasn't exactly helped himself when it comes to how he's dealt with the media though has he yeah
1: i mean that's an understatement right and part of the problem you heard andrew allen from auckland transport there you know Kim Hill directed a bit of a barb at him, and he sort of uh, accepted it. He said, no, we won't forget that, uh, will we? He agreed. He admitted some degree of imperfection. That's not really been the mayor's way. And it's easy to feel like he kind of spent the first 10 hours of the flood emergency saying absolutely nothing, and then he spent the next four days getting angry and defensive over the criticism he received for saying absolutely nothing. So, I mean, there has been, to be fair, some press releases from his office that have sent out core safety messages, but for the most part, Brown's public statements have been more devoted to defending his own actions. Wayne Brown has been preoccupied with Wayne Brown and saying that he essentially did nothing wrong. And that's never been more evident than in a couple of stories from the Herald's David Fisher. And the first of those is inspired the the title for tonight's uh, episode if you're just joining us midweek drongo watch fisher was uh, leaked a message sent by brown to his tennis group chat where he lamented not being able to play a game uh, a planned game due to then forecast floods on friday saying he had to deal with media drongos now this actually spawned a follow-up story when fisher asked for comment uh, on that story uh, the mayor replied please don't then he followed that up with a called obviously to fisher a 30-minute call And in that he complained about his treatment from the media and Fisher's write up of that 30 minute call was published this morning and it's, pretty extraordinary to be honest
0: it is uh, the quote in it i'll let you say it but what were the other lowlights (laughs) i mean
1: yeah i've said highlights in my script it's probably more correct to say lowlights isn't it i mean the first sentence details the mayor's response after being told by a journalist that this call could become a story so he says you know he acknowledges it but then says don't can't say the word, expletive me over. Uh, he also responds to calls for him to resign. You know, he he said, I'm the mayor for three years, you can't do anything about it. Uh, the story details him bemoaning the media, giving the All Blacks good press coverage for helping out in the floods while not acknowledging Wayne Brown's effort, saying reporters would, quote, fly through the blitz to to kiss their ass, which when it comes to the All Blacks is admittedly... I mean, that has some truth to it, doesn't it? I mean, he he was also vexed that he had to pay for his own helicopter to survey the flood damage while Chris Hipkins got to catch a Defence Force chopper. Uh, And, oh, by the way, he also stands by that Drongo's call.
0: Why would he think that David Fisher was a mate? Well, I, I, I...
1: do you know what? David Fisher in the story doesn't actually say that he was the journalist that received this call. But oh, I see. But I, I think that he is the journalist that received the call. I think he's writing in third person a little bit awkwardly. David Fisher, I think, lives up north, and maybe he's dealt with Wayne Brown up there. He would have dealt with him maybe at Auckland uh, District Health Board when he was there. Look, that's that's just, I don't know, but maybe that's... Where it is, and they've just dealt with each other over the last twenty years.
0: And maybe you can answer the question: Why did he have to pay for his own helicopter? I don't know,
1: but (laughs) I—I mean, the council's facing a budget crisis, isn't it? Uh, So you know, real, real crunch there. So maybe Wayne Brown has to pay for his own helicopter. Maybe it was penance inflicted on him for not for his silence on Friday night. I'm not sure.
0: I don't know about you, but I would have been hard-pressed to even remember what Wayne Brown looked like since he became mayor. It wasn't that long ago, because we'd never seen very many pictures of him, certainly never seen any media appearances from him. And it isn't just recent animosity that's developed between the media and Brown. Uh, This has been a theme throughout his short mayoralty, and even during his campaign.
1: Yeah, tragically I'm cursed to know quite a lot about Auckland local government, but I take your point that very few people actually do. 35% of people voted, and that's not helped by the fact that Wayne Brown has euphemistically a very prickly relationship with the media. I mean, one of his most famous actions, comments during the mural campaign was threatening to stick photos of the Herald journalist Simon Wilson to the council's urinals. I mean, since he's actually gotten to power, won the muralty, obviously that didn't hinder him. Uh, RNZ's Ben Strang uh, actually ran the numbers on how many of his media requests he's been turning down. He's turned down 106 of 108 media requests sent to him.
0: I know what he looks like now, of course.
1: He's become a lot more famous in recent times. has. <laughs> he's really raised the profile of Auckland. He's not getting credit for that. He's raised <laughs> the profile of Auckland local government. Maybe people will vote at the next election. This is, this is, this is it. This is, our, um, this is our vote drive. This is how we get people engaged. Anyway, uh, you're completely right that he is basically who he's always been and who he's proved to be. So this is actually National Minister Paula Bennett making that point on AM this morning voted for no the man is actually no different than he was when he was mm. on the campaign trail and that's
0: that's to the point bit grumpy calls it as only he sees it and you get to know that it's never particularly like the media and has made no secret of it and he's actually <laughs> if anything being true to himself.
1: Yes. Did I say former national minister or national minister Paula Bennett? Because she is a former minister. Yeah,
0: she is indeed. She, yeah. she's,
1: you, a, she's a drongo almost now. Yeah, she's probably a media drongo actually now. Uh, you do get what you voted for. That's correct. Uh, and she's probably correct in that point. I mean, incidentally, in the NBR today, Dita De making the same point, albeit with a far less sunny disposition, saying Brown's financial backers, including New Zealand's richest man Graham Hart, had all of the evidence of how he's conducted himself over a long career for them, and perhaps uh, donated to them anyway, and probably have some explaining to do over their donation decisions.
0: Well, the, the, the thing is, the anti-media strategy hasn't really hurt Wayne Brown until now, has it? Or has it?
1: I don't... Th- I mean, he won the mayoralty straight after threatening to stick pictures of a Herald journalist to the council urinals, so in, in a way, I don't think so. And uh, it's possible he won the mayoralty partly because of his prickly relationship with the media. It's, as Duncan Garner said, a protest vote against established authorities, maybe established uh, uh, power structures, or the way things have been done, and uh, and maybe uh, that prickly relationship actually helped him, and that small target strategy, that can work during the good times. I mean, if there is one group the public has less sympathy for than politicians, it's probably us reporters, us drongos. And as much as it raises questions about democratic accountability, failing to kowtow to reporters' requests for comment isn't necessarily devastating to a politician's image anymore. I mean, one of the most successful politicians in recent years, Donald Trump, probably didn't exactly have a great relationship with the... Media. But I mean, during a, during a disaster like the floods, shutting down those lines of communication and leaning heavily into that familiar radio silence is not only a slightly questionable and risky political strategy, it becomes a dangerous one. And that's a point made by Todd Nile on Morning Report this morning. What's alarming is that Wayne Brown doesn't seem to appreciate the communications role that his job carries.
0: No, he clearly doesn't understand it. And as you will know, there are politicians who really don't like the media, but still carry out their role in, in being available. It is extraordinary, particularly in this time of crisis, that nearly four months uh, into Wayne Brown's time as the mayor of Auckland, he is not granting interviews.
1: I mean, I think that's what Todd Nile is saying. If If this saga has shown anything, it's that... Allowing those lines of communication with the mass media to atrophy actually has some really serious downsides when mass communication becomes an imperative, like in a disaster. So failing to front for an interview on the council budget or a council policy, that's probably not going to hurt you that much. It will damage your relationship with media outlets. But failing to front and really communicate in the most efficient and effective way possible when people's lives are at risk that will damage how you're perceived by your constituents because they're the ones you're putting at risk so that that's the situation that brown has found himself in paula bennett i think she's completely right he's the same person he always was he's being true to himself but the facts around him have changed the environment has changed and that's what's got him into trouble
0: Uh, Okay, well, speaking of change, Hayden, we also had two polls on one day showing a change of fortune for the incumbent Labour government.
1: Yeah, News Hub at six, One News, both coming out with polls on Monday evening, and they both showed essentially the same thing, a big rise for Labour, some very tight electoral math where either Te Pate Māori is a kingmaker or or in the case of the One News poll, uh, you get a hung parliament. And I've just got a couple of things to note. Uh, The first is that One News led with their poll while News Hub led with flood news before transitioning into poll coverage.
0: What do you reckon this tells us about their uh, respective news values? No,
1: News Hub's probably out there thinking, easy win from Media Watch here, you know, they're going to commend us for leading with the real news before going into the political intrigue. Not so fast, News Hub. Uh because I think something tricky is going on here. Uh, the temptation, you know, it would be on brand for me to do that, but I'm of a conspiratorial mind on this one. Uh, I think that perhaps knowing that their more dominant cross-town rival would lead with the poll, News Hub cleverly shunted their poll coverage back, knowing that the viewers might change the channel to see what their one says and when uh, one when they've had their fill of one news's poll coverage. And then they might stay for the rest of the night with News Hub's programming. Look, maybe I'm wrong. One drongo called Colin Peacock actually pointed out that News Hub had no way of knowing that One News would leave with the poll and so this would be a very risky programming move. Uh, he cast doubt on my theories, but I'm sticking to my guns, calling it a shrewd and borderline cynical move rather than a worthy uh, uh, editorial decision making uh, but I am reserving the, the right to be wildly wrong about this as well,
0: yeah, well How have the other drongos The media commentariat c- Commentators, yeah. how have they responded? Uh, I, they've, they've
1: been extremely excited for the most part so you've got a very close electoral race now in these polls just unalloyed excitement from our press gallery so just as an example, this is Jenna Lynch on News Hub assessing the result.
0: This poll is a tectonic shift in the political landscape. Chippy has changed the game. Decision 23 is going to be dynamite. Mm.
1: Dynamite. I mean, here's the thing. I might be at risk of being a little bit of a killjoy, Karen. It's not like me to be negative, as you know. But I do get a little bit uncomfortable with the political commentariat's tendency to get so bug-eyed with excitement over tight political races. And I get it. It's very understandable in some ways because it makes their job more interesting, for one thing. It draws people to their work. But the style of coverage, you know, the excitement over tight races, neck-and-neck races, sort of reminds me more of what you'd see in sports coverage or something like that uh, than a subject area, than of a subject area with real profound influence on people's lives. So, it, it, you know, elections and politics in general, I mean, the whole point of it is that it impacts people's lives. You know, it impacts how we- wealthy they are or they will be, whether they'll have good access to health care or education, what their transport system will look like, uh, all that sort of stuff. And while a tight race was, is probably exciting for political journalists, it might not be for someone who sees themselves... Facing major negative or, for that matter, positive repercussions from a change of or retention of the government. It's not just a sports match where you want to see an exciting contest. It's actually a contest of who has the better ideas for improving people's lives. And for once, I mean, I'm a bit of a broken record maybe on it, but I'd love to see a bit less focus on that kind of horse race coverage and more on how politics is actually impacting people's lives and who's doing it better in that way.
0: There does seem to be uh, this tone of surprise that this is now a tight race, but is it that surprising? Yeah, I find it a tiny
1: bit strange. You know, you if really the Media coverage, you you would believe this is, as Jenna Lynch says, a tectonic shift, and it's a huge order of magnitude different. I mean, the Herald's editorial line is that on the morning of January 19, this is a quote, it seemed to all who cared to look that the National Party would drift to victory in this election year. And that that was the case. I mean, there was a succession of polls saying that National and Act could govern alone, but it wasn't a decisive margin. The left bloc was still... Pretty competitive there, and I mean Jacinda Ardern isn't known as a political pushover in election races. I wouldn't say that this was just a easy drift to victory for National, but nevertheless, this is the narrative that's uh, been established here. Uh, I guess the other thing to say is that this has sort of been treated as a genuine trend, and maybe there is an element of caution to be had here. You know these. Uh, two polls saying the same thing, so that's pretty compelling, but they are just two polls, and it's probably, as usual, better to look at the overarching trends across the year, and they might be a better indicator of whether the game is on and it's changed and the election is really going to be dynamite. You know, if two polls can change everything, maybe the next two polls can change them back.
0: Just a just a, a, a very light question here, uh, General Lynch. The the, the um, commentators, what do you call them? The commentariat. The commentariat. Yes, uh, calling Chris Hipkins Chippy, mm. and, and is that because of his email, like C Hipkins Chipkins? Is that I where th- that name came from?
1: I actually read this. I think so. It's from his days is it Victoria University, and that was like their email style. Like it was Chip Chipkins. And so he got short into Chippy, I think. Readers, readers, <laughs> listeners, text in. Is that the origin of the Chippy nickname? I think it is.
0: All right, well, later that evening, the, the, the evening about the poll, we had a national first which was revealed on Seven Sharp earlier this week.
1: Yeah, that's right. Interview with Hilary Barry, um, the former all-black prop Campbell Johnston, came out uh, as gay and... That's obviously a historic first. It's a really good interview. I'd say it's worth seeking out, but just here's a snippet.
0: In some part I'm somewhat disappointed that it's taken me so long to
1: do this. And, and then there's the other aspect that I'm, I'm somewhat maybe a little bit sad that, that we are actually having to do this. But if I open up that door and, and kind of magically make that closet disappear,
0: then um, then, you know, we're going to help a lot of people
1: Yeah, so that's some of the actual content of the interview, but besides the actual content of the interview, which I thought was really good, I thought the way it was handled by TVNZ, and particularly Hillary Barry, was worth commenting on.
0: Why? What, what do you think was noteworthy in it?
1: Uh, I just think this would have been an easy thing for TVNZ to go really big on to push for big ratings, first all black this kind of thing and it didn't really do that. It actually, it was trailed, I mean, it was mentioned a couple of times on the 6pm news that 7 Sharp had this story, but it didn't get its own separate story uh, or a lot of promo in the 6pm shot, shot slot. It, it didn't lead 7 Sharp even, actually. I think they had some uh, flood coverage first. So... Some people have actually criticised that handling, saying that maybe Seven Sharp missed the significance of this event, particularly in light of the international coverage coverage that resulted from this interview. Uh, but just from talking to some of the people involved in those editorial decisions, this was deliberate. It was aimed at protecting Johnston, treating this sensitively, helping him feel safe putting himself out there publicly. And, I mean, it would have been easy to do the opposite and try to hype up the story as much as possible and generate as much viewership as possible. So I think it's a credit to Barry uh, for her choices in the production of the story and the wider editorial leadership at TVNC that they obviously didn't feel it was appropriate to do that, and then they didn't. So, I mean, you can see uh, why they wanted to take care as well when you see some of the reaction to the story, and that includes the predictable homophobia from some people online and on social media, but also some dismissive comments from commentators. Oh. Uh, So, I mean, this is Martin Devlin of The Platform uh, talking about it. I'm bored to the
0: eyeballs by this. I don't give a rat who you sleep with. Same as you, gay person, don't give a stuff who I sleep with.
1: Yes, I mean, that's been a relatively common reaction. It's not just Martin Devlin. People just saying... Oh, who cares in this day and age? It's 2023. I mean, I find that response, to be honest, quite puzzling. Of course, this is significant. It's the first all-black to come out as gay. The fact that Johnston is the first all-black as well indicates that our rugby culture, even if we're all very, you know, if we all feel that we're very liberal as a country, rugby culture, there's definitely parts of New Zealand society where it's still pretty hostile for queer people. And Johnston... Making this step is a big step towards changing that culture, making it easier, making it visible for queer rugby players, uh, and making it making queer rugby players visible, making it easier for them to be their authentic selves. And th- and that's just not just my take. This is uh, Auckland Pride Director Max Tweedy talking about it as well. Gay All Blacks is just incredibly important, especially for our young New Zealanders who are playing rugby, um, but also who aren't playing rugby and just, uh, you know, trying to uh, find their way in the world and figure out who they are in in rural parts of New Zealand. And so it's, for a role model, uh, you know, like the All Blacks to come out as gay is is really significant. And I hope that it drives conversations in in households and rugby clubs and, and other sporting bodies about how they can continue to be more inclusive. Yeah, so I think a significant step forward, even if some of our online radio jocks don't particularly care about the story.
0: I've got a lot of texts for you, Hayden, yeah. uh, regarding Wayne Brown. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and you want me to read a few of them to oh, you? Oh, go for it. Okay, give it a rest. You're only peeing off the 180,000 people who voted for him, and we think he's doing a good job. Get on to the next story. Earn your keep.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that you, Wayne? <laughs> Yes.
0: Uh, And uh, hi, minor point, roughly 14% of Aucklanders voted for Wayne Brown and only slightly more against him. As for the other 70%. Cheers, Tony, saying that Aucklanders didn't get out, basically.
1: Yeah, they didn't. And, 35% turnout.
0: And Carol says, good evening. Can a mere pleb from outside of the great Auckland ask the question, which is, why did you all just recently elect Brain, Wayne Brown as your mayor if you find him so, there's lots of O's on that, distasteful? Oh, Thanks, well, Carol.
1: I mean, as you say, 65% of people just didn't vote. So I wouldn't say that all Aucklanders... Uh, voted. This is. I've written a whole feature. You can get the latest Metro magazine. You can read about the democratic distortions produced by our local government system, which favours older and wealthier homeowners and makes their votes uh, more common and uh, election decisive in elections. Uh, that's possibly one of the reasons. And you know, this is a group of people that are obviously quite uh, against change and have seen quite a few bike bike lanes recently. And that's probably scared them, and that's uh, one of the reasons why Wayne Brown is in power. Uh, you can read more about it. I've written about it, Metro Magazine.
0: Thank you, Hayden, for finally acknowledging the difficult relationship some sort with Brown on the campaign garnered support on campaign garnered support from the electorate. Does that make sense to you? I'm sorry, that's grammatically a little bit wrong for me. Um, The Auckland mayor is a pragmatist, not a media spinner. The drongos are the council employees who allowed a lot of the problems to occur. The issue is the storm, not the politics of personality.
1: This is very interesting. I I mean, this is one of the lines, right, that that, uh, Wayne Brown can't do anything about the rain. But uh, I think there's been a pretty general and cross-political spectrum uh, call that he should have, Talked more and been more um, upfront and public about producing information, safety information for Aucklanders on that Friday night.
0: Okay. And, and regarding uh, the the little clip you opened with about you gloating about uh, the, the flooding, uh, Owen says, "Well, Karen, that was certainly a tense encounter." <laughs> just a bit of humour. <laughs> That's to, it <laughs> to end your midweek drongo watch, Hayden. Uh- Is that a play on words
1: or, yeah, it's a play on words, not a pun.
0: Uh, Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, the
1: inaugural Drongo Watch. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: That that is a play on words, a pun. Yes. One and the same. We're going to produce (laughs)
1: a lot more text if we have this debate. (laughs) We
0: are. All right, Hayden, thank you very much. We'll see you in, what, a couple of weeks? Uh, Yes. And just we've got a story coming up uh, about um, the classic, They call them a man cave. Do you have a man cave?
1: I absolutely don't.
0: Don't you? Would you like to have one?
1: No. I'm very scared of tools. Uh, uh,
0: No, you don't have to have have tools in it. Oh, it's
1: very anxious. It just makes me anxious. What, a little space for your My wife is trying to make me, like, paint the walls, and even that, I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I've thought of... Um, getting the paint in the wrong place scares oh, that, me.
0: I think we've got the wrong definition here. This is a man cave. This is a whole little space where you can go and do what you like. Yeah, but it's always
1: a uh, man cave's are where you do stuff with it. You, you saw stuff and you drill stuff and <laughs> bolt stuff you? and all that sort of thing. And I've yeah. Uh,
0: okay.
1: I'm scared of failure. All I can do is write. Oh, I, I have see. soft hands. That's
0: the things that you're going to do. I have soft in writer's the, hands. You're going to do in the cave that you're worried about. If the about. man
1: cave contains a like a gaming console, then I'm all in.
0: I think the man cave can contain whatever you like. But that's our next topic. Thanks, Hayden. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me.